everyone. Welcome to episode 111 of Vague Zone. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I am one of your other hosts, Daniel. And today we're starting off a new theme run. We did a little dice roll like a month and a half ago. It's been yeah. A little bit. Oh but the, the theme we chose in that last dice roll was zombies. And so mm-hmm. it was my choice, and I chose the film Soul Station. That's was this your first... choice, or was this a shared choice? I believe this was a shared choice. Oh, okay. This is a shared choice, but it was kind of, we bounced some ideas around. I, su- I was living in Korea at the time. I yeah. was leaving, and I was in sort of a Korean film mood, and I kind of suggested this. Cool. It's a prequel to Train to Busan, so we both agreed it was appropriate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kind of, yeah, group choice. First one up, Daniel, would you like to read the IMDb synopsis for us? Sure. Several groups of people try to survive a zombie pandemic that unleashes itself in downtown Seoul. Nice. So yes, it's from 2016, directed by Song Ho Yun. Also yeah. written by Song Ho Yun. Yes, and this is a prequel to the great Korean zombie film Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Daniel, what did you think about Seoul Station? Um, I remember watching Train to Busan and feeling like at that time I was kind of burned out with zombie movies, but um, I remember like during the experience of watching it feeling like, oh yeah, I used to love zombie movies and it feel it felt like it was kind of like reminding me what I had enjoyed about this genre in the first place. Yeah. Um, so watching this, um, I didn't have that reaction. Uh, it felt like it kind of felt like typical zombie movie. Uh, like I was engaged. I was like completely engaged throughout the whole thing. However, there were moments where I was like, this kind of feels like I'm watching any other zombie movie. Like, uh, it didn't really feel that special to me outside of, you know, it's animation. And obviously there's like a social aspect to it, a social political aspect to it. But that's also not unusual for zombie movies. Zombie movies are rife with that. Um, So, yeah, I kind of, I I, I wasn't in love with it. I thought it was a fine movie. Uh, You know, I would still give it a, a, you know, positive rating if I'm, if I'm giving it a thumbs up or thumbs down. Um, But yeah, I wasn't totally taken with it uh, the same way I was with Train of Busan. And I also don't quite understand why it's necessary for this to be linked to Train of Busan at all. Uh, Yeah. I was thinking about that too, as far as it being a prequel, it does feel like it stands alone a little mm -hmm. bit and they're, Clearly, there might be some characters that crossed over. It's been a long time since I've seen Train to Busan, so there there might be like one or two characters that are represented in this movie and in that movie. But yeah, at know. this point, at this point in time, I'm kind of in the dark. A little that's a little fuzzy right now, so I don't really know. But I I believe that is the case. Um, it might just be just a, a location thing, like it's just the zombie outbreak taking place in Korea, and so these are just characters in Soul Station, and then we link up with some other characters for the train to Busan adventure. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, I, I, I agree with you somewhat. Yeah. It, it does kind of have typical zombie fare, but I do, I think it, it does sort of shine the light on like the Korean government and like how positions of power are sort of affected in that different kind of environment. And it is true. Like, yeah, most zombie movies do have a social commentary attached to it. Going back to like night of the living dead, dawn of the dead, to even more recent stuff like the walking dead. It's like, there is usually going to be, something about like how people are the real enemy versus like yeah. zombies being the real enemy but I, I i thought it worked here i thought it was nice to sort of see how like the korean sensibility sort of react to this outbreak and af- after living in korea and uh, 
sort of being adjacent to somewhat of like a human crisis where a lot of deaths were involved, yeah. a lot of things became way more poignant while watching it this time. Well, sorry, not, not watching it this time, but sort of watching this movie with that different lens and being able to uh, sort of relate to it and understand like how those positions of power kind of affect how, how those relationships are in place. And it, things sort of resonated and made a lot more sense and how everyone kind of feels like cold and distant. If like, they're like a police officer or like a, a doctor or someone like that, everyone's kind of like very distant and like very bureaucratic with how they're sort of like handling this like outbreak and chaos yeah. is sort of mounting. And yeah, everyone's kind of just being like ignored or like it just, it just like sort of just devolves. I think it's interesting the way that it happens here. Did it feel like, because as, you know, I've never been to Korea, I don't have much experience with Korean culture. Uh, so watching this and seeing the way it's sort of about just like the most vulnerable people in society continuing to be uh, the most vulnerable people in society during a zombie outbreak, uh, or like their vulnerability being like even more heightened because of the severity of the situation. Uh, it felt very, uh, it didn't feel like um, exclusive to Korea. Like I could see this taking place in, parts of the u.s but were there parts totally. of of uh i guess the movie that stood out to you as being like uniquely korean um, um i think it's like small stuff i think the one note about like there's like the i i don't want to call him like a simple guy but there's like a, a guy the character we're sort of sticking around with who is like trying to aid this older mm -hmm. man who's like very sick his he's bro like, yeah. yeah his bro he's like kind of going around looking for help and he goes to a hospital and he's like hey like is there any room and then the woman's response is like well there are some people that are like about to leave so if, if i can just convince them to leave then there'll be space for you to yeah, join it's, yeah it's kind of just like a very like well we'll help you once they're done kind of thing it's like mm. very um regimented that sort of felt that reminded me of like korean sensibilities a little bit about like just fucking wait your turn we're gonna we're gonna get to you um yeah um and that's that was like one of them i think just in general kind of just like how the police officers were like just being very cold and very blunt with people i, I, I that can be seen as like an american thing or a, a any, like a more of a Western thing in general, sort of like just like the police, they have power and they're going to sort of be dicks and they're going to be like rude about it yeah. and not, not really listen. To, they're not there to help you. <laughs> not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Like, or so, also like it's a zombie apocalypse. This outbreak is happening. People don't really understand. And so it's like these characters are like, oh, we don't really quite know what's happening. So it's sort of like figuring things out. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like a typical kind of reaction. But it did feel like korean in those in like some like really subtle ways i guess um uh, yeah i took like a lot of notes but yeah it seems more like small like human moments um okay. but yeah i think yeah just in general yeah just like the position of power is the big thing um but yeah you said you sort of feel like it's not that like riveting of a zombie movie are there any parts of it that you feel like would work or are there any parts of this movie that you feel like stood out like as like a zombie good zombie like media uh i mean the thing that stands out to me most is like a thing and it feels like very obviously this is gonna stand out uh spoilers for soul station there's a twist in this movie uh yeah. and that it didn't stand out to me as like a, a zombie thing it just stood out to me as like uh what the fuck is this movie now like it was just such an aggressive twist uh and it, it, it was really off-putting, and uh, I don't know. Like, I had to, like, 
just kind of roll with it and sort of like find my footing again and it doesn't last long it's at the very end um so I, i've already said spoiler alert but um we have one character who claims to be we have one character i think her name's hi sun hi soon um yeah. and there's another character who claims to be her father uh we find out at the end it's not actually her father it is uh i, I think like her pimp or a former pimp yeah. uh, who she owes money to um and it's just an insane reveal. <laughs> like, he is, like, chasing her around with a knife. He kills her boyfriend, who, like, fuck him anyway. He was, like, not good. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, interesting, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, uh, he's chasing her around with a knife, and then he is going to rape her. Uh, and it is just, like... It's just, like, a very... It is the most aggressive thing that happens in this movie. Like, a, a movie yeah, full definitely. of, like, zombie violence. Like, there's nothing as shocking as this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also to add on to that point about like the zombie violence, this is a PG thirteen movie, and it doesn't. Interesting. Get I didn't even gory. notice that. Yeah, it doesn't get very gory. I, actually, I watched this on Tubi. Shout out to Tubi. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, there's moments where there's like a zombie kill happening. Like the, one of the first ones that happens is like the the pimp and the boyfriend are like looking for the, this girl, and they go into like this, her apartment, and they get sort of trapped in there, and the zombie gets in, and the pimp kills the zombie with, like, the lid that's, like, on the, like, the toilet, the, has, yeah. like, the tank, yeah, he, he'll, like, hiss him with that, and it's, like, I feel like in any other zombie movie live action or whatever, it would be all about the actual impact and focusing on the kill of that, but in this moment, it's, like, you're just looking at the reactions of these characters of this, like, him just killing the zombie, and it's not really about the gore of it, necessarily, but, yeah, yeah. when we have that assault at the end of the movie it's like holy shit like this is just happening very plainly very much in front mm -hmm. of us and it's it's very it is very fucking shocking and yeah and it's also really curious that like some of the violence we do see really viscerally is like the boyfriend getting his throat slit yeah. it's like it's just really surprising that that's like the kind of gore that gets emphasized yeah it's like now that i think about it it's like like I, I like struggle to think of any like zombie moments that were particularly gruesome. I guess because it is a PG thirteen movie, but like I do remember like characters getting shot by police officers and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like usually like there's a moment where a guy is like a uh, you know hanging on a wire. He falls and then he gets surrounded by zombies. They eat him. Uh, we don't really see it. We just see him kind of get overwhelmed by a bunch of bodies. Yeah. Um, but like a character getting shot by a police officer, like we see the bullet go through him and yeah, fall to the yes. ground. And, yeah, yeah, I see him like drooling and bleeding on yeah. the ground, and it's really, really brutal. Yeah. Um, oh, also one thing I just noticed in my notes about like Korean stuff. I, we watched the movie Broker in theaters mm -hmm. last weekend, and one of the things I mentioned when we were t having a conversation after that movie is how like how how it just reminded me of like being in Korea physically and just like. Like there's drink, like the beer that they drink, mm -hmm. and just the landscape shots, and just like the the spaces and the snacks, and it all just feels very Korean and very homely and very lived in in a way. Like sometimes, like I watch other Korean films, they don't necessarily like feel Korean, so to speak. Like like if I think about Old Boy, like Old Boy is like a very amazing Korean film, but it doesn't necessarily remind me of like Korean culture or like mm -hmm. what it's actually like to 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 live and like eat and breathe yeah. and be in Korea, like movies more tender movies like Broker might do. But Soul Station kind of made me feel that way in the way that Train to Busan didn't. Train to Busan was more like theatrical. It's all about the zombies and the 
choreography and the uh, the contortionist zombies. Yeah, and, those like, zombies train fucking shit. rule. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome. Here, it's like really kind of subdued zombies. It, this did kind of remind me about like being in Korea, like the, the neon red crosses that are like on the roofs mm. of buildings and just like, like people kind of like running around barefoot a lot. And just, I don't know, just like the, the big thing in like uh, Eastern Asian cultures, like, yeah, when you go into a building, you take your shoes off before yeah. you actually like walk into it. Then I was like watching this. I'm like, our like our boyfriend's kind of an asshole, but he did like traverse the roofs of Seoul. Like he's like trying to get to his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, traverses traverses the roofs of Seoul barefoot while he's like trying to get to a car. I love the whole like sequence of the the dad slash pimp trying to convince him. He's like, okay, you go into the alleyway and you create a tr- distraction. Yeah. I'll run down to the car. He gets like this whole elaborate plan, and then it gets spoiled because he just bumps into a drunk guy. Yeah, just, I did like the drunk guy <laughs> gag because it was like. I think I like audibly <laughs> like reacted to that. Uh, yeah, it's just nice that, that, that yeah, there's just some random drunk guy out there amongst all these zombies. Yeah, it, I'm sort of with you. It is like it is a, a solid movie, and I do like the animation. But I feel like the animation is more on the subtle side and leaves some things to be desired at some points. There's a part when the girl is being chased by like a horde, and it just looks kind of like jerky. Like, like it's like a, a chase scene where it's like a group yeah. of zombies chasing. Or, uh, some he- or characters and it just looks kind of like not that great there is like little... i don't know like you can notice when they're reusing models of characters and just kind of duplicating them in the background um there's also like a weird blend of like 2d and 3d where it's like a 3d space that feels like it's been rendered in a you know yeah. cg software with like 2d characters layered over it like we see it very early that with like homeless people like sleeping on the street and the camera like swoops in through the three-dimensional space and the floor underneath the uh, homeless person who's laying on the ground sort of like shifts underneath where they're laying, which, you know, wouldn't happen. <laughs> but, yeah. but it is just I'm like... I'm not sure if I noticed that. Yeah, it, seriously. It, wasn't, like, it was just like, I don't know, like, I didn't have a problem with it. It's just like, I noticed the interaction between the 3D and the 2D. Um but yeah, I do like. I think a lot of this this animation is pretty neat. Uh, there are moments where it feels almost like rotoscoped, uh, with like the okay. way the characters move and stuff. It feels very natural. Um, yeah, one thing I did notice because I've watched this twice this weekend is it does feel like it. The animation feels subdued in a way that it allows the voice acting to shine mm-hmm. a lot. I really love the voice actor of the guy who's, like, trying to help the homeless guy who got, like, bit. And he's just, like, every time he's, like, really apologetic when someone, like, he's like, yeah, like, we'll, like, let you go, like, come in here. He's, like, so, like, apologetic and, like, thankful. Yeah, and, like, you can just and... You can just hear, like, that emotion just come through his voice so crisp, yeah. very crisply. And That's it's a really good observation. Yeah. Really, like, satisfying. But, yeah, and the, but the, uh, I feel like, yeah, you sort of lose a little bit because the animation budget may not be as high, but I think the voice acting does shine. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was like, yeah, it's, it's, we get this homeless plot line at the beginning, which sort of, uh, comes to a close pretty quickly. And then the rest of the movie is just the, uh, the plot line of the father, the boyfriend trying to find the girlfriend. I feel like there was another plot line in here. (laughs) Well, it is like, there's this whole like kind of friendship she develops with, it's a, Hey, son, and this oh, other guy who, who's like essentially like there's sort of like a team of survivors. Essentially, I, I wrote in my notes. I felt it was kind of dumb that she sticks around with him, but I think it, she. I mean, like if he's kind of being capable and able to lift gates and shit, then yeah. I think okay, we can kind of stick with him. But I thought it was really interesting because 
there's clearly like a little bit of a class commentary thing going on here where they all kind of are grouped together and then they run into the police station and the police are like, get out of here. Like, you're just like, you're just being loud. Yeah. Um, you're just like, also that happens earlier when they're like, the guy at the subway station is like, hey, like if you guys keep screaming in the subway, we're going to call the police. Yeah. Like, you guys need to quiet down. It's little moments like that I thought were really, really uh, kind of fascinating. But I love the mini drama that plays out inside of the police cell when, like, the the horde of zombies overruns the police station and they basically get locked inside of the cell. And it's, like, her, a police officer who's been bitten, yeah. uh, this homeless guy, and then, like, another person. And then we have a nice little, like, mini drama kind of play out between them. And, like, the police has the gun and, like, runs out of bullets. And they have to decide, like, what to do with it. And that is, Yeah, that was a thing where I was like, how the hell is this going to get resolved? <laughs> like, as yeah. soon as, like, it kicked off with like all the zombies outside the cell it's like there's no like like, i guess they can only wait for help and like that that is essentially what happens is like eventually help arrives but yeah but yeah that is a fun little a fun little drama there of the uh police officer turning into a zombie while he has a gun Uh, yeah yeah but i thought it was interesting that we sort of stick with that homeless character and there's there's a little beat in that moment where the police officer's like hey like you guys are all homeless and, and the guy's like no like i'm not and then the girl's like i'm not either like she's like like they're kind of like being defensive about it yeah and then they have a moment a little bit later like 20 30 minutes later inside the subway when they're like trying to walk home quote unquote mm-hmm. and the guy breaks down he's like wait like actually i don't have a home to go home to. yeah and then they both just like just stop and just weep inside the yeah. subway and i, like, I want to go shit, home is- but i don't have one <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah like, this is something I don't really see in zombie movies media often. Just people just kind of breaking down and just crying and just just having that moment just be stuck on them. And... I think this is the only zombie movie I've seen that has, like, highlighted homelessness. And, like, yeah. how would homeless people deal with something like this? Yeah, um, and I think it, it wraps up nicely at the end when they're having this conversation inside of this, like, corral they're all been sort of like stuck inside this alleyway and this guy comes up and he's like i worked for the government like i did things right like i'm yeah. not supposed to be lumped up I'm with not you guys like and then, you or whatever. yeah then the homeless guy's like wait like i also worked for the government and look what happened like my yeah. life is not that great and then he ends up meeting the ultimate demise when he climbs on top of the truck the, the bus and gets shot yeah. by the fucking swat team and like that that really got to me i was like man this this is really <laughs> really hitting me like yeah, the, the lowest of the low of society sort of, like, being the one to stand up and be vocal and say something. And yeah, this country doesn't give a fuck about us, basically. Yeah. 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 Those things kind of were making me appreciate the movie a lot more because it does feel like, yeah, it, like, those are Korean kind of cultural hmm. things kind of coming through. And those criticisms definitely rang true. For yeah, me. I wonder how that... I guess how that resonates in Korea, this idea of like, this country doesn't give a fuck about you. Like, is that, yeah. Like, what is the sentiment there? Uh, I, uh, totally like the fucking, after the crowd crush, there was this, all this shit about like the government, like blaming the the kids that were out there. Then, oh, then blaming the parents of the kids for allowing them to go out and party. It's like, no, it's like, this is like, we yeah. are aware that Halloween is popular. We could have had a more police presence. It could have been safer. The, the laundry more list goes on and yeah. on. Yeah, after that Halloween incident, that sort of, after that entire day, something like this was, like, really heavy towards the end. So I'm like, yeah, like, these, this is sort of how it would probably play out. It's going to be really difficult to, like, communicate, and it's also going to be the people in power just kind of crushing the people who are yeah. below them. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, I dug it. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know, I think... As far as, like, being a zombie movie, it is a little bit on the more subtle side. Like, it's not, like, very, 
zombie heavy as far as like the zombie action. It's not like sawing off shotguns and fun weapons and stuff like that. That's not really what this movie is. Yeah, it's not really about fighting the zombies. Uh, Like there are a few moments where that happens, but it is mostly just fleeing, trying to find each other, trying to find safety. Yeah. Safety that doesn't really exist. Yeah, it's about these characters and. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that, like, the how we sort of see the boyfriend kind of flips. It's like at the beginning, he's, like, very much an asshole. He's trying yeah. to convince Heisen to go back into prostitution. But then we find out that this pimp has been lying and, and like, should get back into her life. And it, it kind of flips, and we're like, oh, we actually kind of want him to, the boyfriend, to step up and kind of be helpful. Yeah, and then kind of redeem himself, I guess. Yeah, he has that moment, that window of redemption, and then it's like he like looks at the knife, and I'm like, oh, like, yes, like get this guy, and then yeah, proceeds to get his throat slit. Yeah, yeah, and Got none it. of our characters make it through. Yeah, very brutal. Um, so yeah, I guess it does make it a little bit weak of a of a prequel because yeah, there's not much tie. It doesn't feel like there's much of a connective tissue between this and Train to Busan, but uh, might be. Might need to rewatch it. A scene that really stood out to me in this is. When, um, I guess I'm just going to call her the daughter. Um, when the daughter meets up with the crowd, the crowd of people who are all like kettled and, uh, the zombies break through, they're attacking everyone. Uh, there's this sort of like jock looking dude character that we've had a little bit of interaction with. He's like helping with the barricade, helping keep the zombies at bay. Um, he's climbing across like a power line sort of thing or like a telephone wire and um climbing to safety and she decides to follow him and try and climb to safety but she can't she can't make it across the wire um so he climbs back out to like help her and he like grabs her hand and lifts it up so that she can get her other hand back on the wire and then he falls to his death he falls and gets overrun by zombies um and i don't know like that scene really stood out to me because it is like are there that many scenes of people like really helping each other uh and showing sort of like that character really stood out to me because it's like okay the police aren't doing their jobs they're not helping people they're not defending people like what this guy is a part of is sort of like a community defense uh organization that has just like you know spawned (laughs) from you know the severity of the situation Um, vigilante (laughs) yeah and like i don't know it reminds me of like like I've gone like going I've gone to a uh, an occupation of like a federal building and like the protesters like setting up um like a food sort of closet where like so everyone who was occupying you know at this political occupation would like have plenty of food and like yeah. they were setting up like barricades so that like cars couldn't drive th- down the road and like you know fuck with the protesters um I don't know just like it was interesting to see people coming together and like problem solving uh as a collective and so yeah i feel like this character sort of represents that spirit um yeah definitely yeah i like the close-up of like his face like in wrenching pain as he's like lifting her arm up to the the wire yeah it's just like it's, it's really kind of uh giving credit and like the brilliance of like just like the writing and like how you can take just the dire setting of like a zombie apocalypse and an outbreak and you can have very simple things like that be 
very heightened and there's so much tension attached to just like yeah she's like climbing and like her arm drops down and he, he has like that moment where he's like oh fuck i have to go back and save her yeah yeah it's just a really great moment i also feel that way about the scene with her and the homeless guy lifting the gate inside of the subway like so yeah one thing that this happened out there in korea is like the subway is amazing subway is very cheap it goes all over the entire fucking nation it's amazing it uh it does suck because it closes like at midnight exactly so mm-hmm. like if you're out even out partying a little bit late like you're not gonna be able to take the train home until 5 30 in the morning like that I did sucks. on Halloween, which is <laughs> kind of brutal. Thirty. Um, but I absolutely love the moment of him like just lifting the really heavy subway fence thing, and then like the person kind of comes down there, and yeah, it's like a little bit of a fake out because like she's not a zombie; she's yeah, just she like is. a unhinged, mm-hmm. unhealthy, crazy person. But um, I think just the entire moment is just really tense and just really built up really nicely. Yeah. Excuse me. And then yeah, teamwork team up with that homeless person they might help you lift a gate yeah you never know they gotta survive out on those streets you know yeah and if they sit down for a cry session join them in the cry session any other final thoughts on soul station no i think that's it for me sweet um yeah that might be it for me what have you been watching this week um i saw megan Nice. Um, it was as good as I ex- expected it to be. <laughs> like, did she slay? I, did she slay? Like, I I saw it with like five friends, maybe uh, four or five friends, and it feels like <laughs> it was weird because it was totally working for the crowd. Like, there were like people behind us who, very early on, like little reveals, uh, they were just like laughing their asses off. But like our our row of like friends were like completely silent the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, I'm sure there are people <laughs> who would have a great time with it. I think it's just like, it's a, it's a streaming movie. <laughs> like I, I, it, it was fine. I, I feel like, uh, I appreciated the whole, you know, kids are glued to their devices too much. <laughs> like, uh, sort yeah, of, yeah. uh, message there. Um, I feel like it, it's woven in very well. Um, like it feels like kind of uh i don't want to say necessary for the time but it like it absolutely makes sense that this movie came out when it did uh yes, it, yeah. it's yeah it's like i don't know they just did a great job with like the theming and the messaging however it's just not my cup of tea <laughs> uh, so yeah megan was fine yeah um, there was a megan parody on snl this weekend okay <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey plaza as a <laughs> as megan okay um i did appreciate well, I don't want to spoil it. There is a... Megan? Yeah. I'll, sp- yeah, I'll spoil I've, well, it. I've, we, I've already seen it, yeah. so yeah. Okay, spoilers for Megan. I did appreciate the robot fight at the end. I like, wasn't expecting yeah. that. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, you mentioned we watched Broker. Um, Broker... It, it was really funny to me that like... It was just like five dudes in their 30s, <laughs> all high on edibles, watching like a Korean drama uh a sad korean drama where we're all trying not to cry in this theater (laughs) but um yeah that movie i i i'm sure the weed was part of it but um it blew me away (laughs) and like the ending it totally the ending doesn't totally work for me um and i feel like the movie gets 
I, I think what's interesting about the movie is it feels very close to melodrama. I don't think it's melodrama. It has like absurd, ridiculous plotline uh, details. Um, there's a gangster story involved. There's murder involved. Uh, and it just feels like everything is... It's like, it's like they took a melodrama script and then handed it to a very good director who like managed to somehow like bring the humanity out in a way that wasn't melodramatic. Um, yes. So yeah, Broker... Yeah, it it worked for me. Uh, I I yeah, it worked for me. Um, yeah, and so this is by the uh, filmmaker uh, Corey Ada Hirokazu, who we who directed Afterlife, which we talked about yeah. not too long ago. And uh, well, in the conversation about that movie, I read that Roger Ebert uh, described him as like a, a humanist, and I think that's a a very apt uh, description of this filmmaker because yeah, it's like very human, very real, just. Yeah, it, it could it could be ridiculous in the hands of another director, but somehow it feels very tender and like it just feels like a very comfortable visit <laughs> to this country and, feeling, and hanging out with these characters and diving into this very interwoven drama between these characters dealing with a very sketchy topic of <laughs> yeah. child trafficking. So yeah, it's we like haven't yeah. yeah I haven't explained at all what this movie is for the listeners. Uh, a woman drops her baby off at an orphanage. Two guys who work at the orphanage pick it up. Uh, erase the footage of her dropping it off and decide to sell it uh, to, you know, hopefully a loving couple um, so that they can use the money to pay off like a, a debt to a gangster, right? Yeah, they work on the adoption black market. Yeah. Um, and then so the mother comes back the next day and she's like, where's my baby? <laughs> and then they, you know, bring they her into no the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They They're no like, you were going to abandon this child. We let's just sell it and you could take some of this money too. Um, and then what follows is the strangest, quirkiest road trip. Yeah. Yeah. A road movie. Like uh, Eric compared it to little miss sunshine where it's just like everyone in a car, uh, bonding together. And that's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> bunch of, bunch of misfits. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good, different yeah. <laughs> from little miss yes. sunshine, but, but it does have yeah, that, like a, uh, I guess sort of structure to it. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I watched The Last of Us premiere, which I'm assuming... Did you watch? Yeah. I did. Uh, very much the game. Um, I watched a <laughs> video on YouTube that's like a side-by-side of uh, the uh, show okay. and the game, and uh, it just made me want to play the game again. <laughs> but um, hey, Yeah, I got that vibe a little bit. Yeah. I haven't played the second one. I might play the second one. I haven't one. played the second one either. I was talking to a buddy about it last night, uh, and he, he was like, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was... I thought it was better than the first one. Uh, it makes some controversial choices where I can absolutely understand uh, some people hating it. However, uh, he, he was saying that he saw a lot of hate uh, towards um, just Ellie being in a gay relationship. And he was like, that stuff is, it's the dumbest criticism. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's that. And there is also another criticism. Of, yeah. There's uh, another. Decision that, yeah. That, uh, and that's very... one we talked about. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah uh because that's I, that was already spoiled for me um just basically by the commercials <laughs> like having sort of a, a fishy perspective of those commercials but um also yes we're in the twitter age as well where yeah. once once things just sort of become quote-unquote controversial or even conversation worthy it's just everything so yeah, all the information just it's gets, unavoidable yeah yeah you got to be careful that's why i'm i'm avoiding anything about god of war trying to mm, okay. stay in the dark as much as i can as i yeah. approach that finale yeah um so yeah what, what have you been watching lately uh 
So this week, I finally caught up on something I've been meaning to do for a while. Like a few years ago, I bought the Rambo box set. It's all of the it's the first four Rambo movies. This was before Rambo Five was released, and so I had all four of them on my shelf for a long time. And friend of the show, friend of ours, Max Burwald, said that First Blood is really good, really good anti-war film, really good anti-Vietnam film. I just realized I wasn't recording the Zoom, so I just started recording the Zoom. Sorry. It's okay. I have a backup <laughs> okay, on my cool. phone, so we're, 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 we're Gucci. Um, but yeah, he recommended First Blood and said that First Blood is a really good movie and really subversive. And it is it's awesome. It's classic, really fantastic. And then things get a little weirder once uh, once you get past uh, First Blood, once you start getting into Rambo 2, Rambo 3 territory. Um, Rambo... Two is 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 solid. Um, I think it's very over the top. There's yeah. points in that movie where it's him against like one other man, and he's like just full on shooting rocket launchers at just like one person. <laughs> just like just it's nice. just completely overpowered, <laughs> completely ridiculous. It's like like I think it came out like '85 or something. So it's just like pure like '80s top of like that '80s cheese mm-hmm. of just like macho shit. Um, three gets a little strange because. Like again, it's like these are political movies, like, but it gets a little muddier as the political situation gets more muddy and foggy and like modern. And so, eighty eight is Rambo three, and it's like it takes place uh, in Afghanistan. It's yeah. dealing with like the Soviet Afghan war. And it's like and so Rambo teams up with the Afghani's, and so the movie is actually like dedicated to like the Afghani soldiers, yeah, the or brave like Mujahideen that. fighters. Of- yeah, Mujahideen, <laughs> which was not expecting. It was like after like. 9-11 and all of, like, those, like, all of that, after living through that in, like, high school, it's, like, watching this feels like a really strange relic of, like, this movie, like, wouldn't exist or be made of, like, like a character, like, I, I couldn't imagine, like, Bradley Cooper being in a movie where he goes oh over, God, and, like, yeah. and teams up with, like, the, like, the fucking Taliban or something, and, like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a very strange, like, relic of another time. Yeah. Uh, it's very fascinating. Um. And then you get to four. Four is kind of fucked up because that's like the twenty-year break. Uh, Stallone kind of coming back and revisiting this character. It's just John. Is that Rambo. the one in Burma? Yes. Okay. Uh, it takes place in war Burma. zone. That's all I remember. Him yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Four is fucked up. It might be the, like I tweeted about this. I said it's easily the most violent movie I've ever seen. Really? In my life. I saw it in the like, theaters. Yeah. There's some. Yeah. People just get. Shred, just bodies yeah, shredded. get decimated, yeah, <laughs> shredded and decimated in that movie, and it was. I wasn't like really prepared. It's fucking like, insane. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because have you seen two? Uh, I feel like I have seen two. I don't quite remember it though. Yeah, because at least with two, it feel at least you can sort of zoom out and say, okay, this is sort of it's not set up gritty. to be more. Yeah. yeah, it's more quote unquote fun. It's like okay, you have Rambo fucking head to toe in mud, sneaking up and slicing the guy's neck. Oh like, yeah, it's supposed to be. And then in the four, he tears a man's throat out. Yeah, he just rips a man's throat out <laughs> yeah. in front of this girl. And this, it, there's so many like just very brutal. Yeah, things I like her before. Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, and so it, a little bit of context. It's like I'm trying to get back in shape a little bit, work out. And so I have an exercise bike in my room that I like, ride the exercise bike and watch a movie. And I'm like watching. I'm like, I don't know if I could exercise while watching this one. This one's this one's kind of. Too, so violent it's distracting yeah. <laughs> like yeah it, it's intense and so i'm looking forward to watching last blood i went to my local library and i got to last blood and so i'm looking forward to that so yeah that's the big thing uh, i was watching this week um so yeah i've watched four rambo movies 
Damn. Um, The Last of Us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, the last thing I watched was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay. Um, Okay. So after, um, yeah, it was No Way Home. So in No Way Home, spoilers for No Way Home, if you haven't seen it, don't listen to this part of this conversation. At the end of No Way Home, there's a moment with Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man where it's like he saves Zendaya Mm -hmm. from falling. And there's like, at least in our theater when I saw people, there were some people in the theater who had a big reaction to it. And I didn't quite understand Mm, why that was a big moment. And so after watching The Amazing Spider-Man 2, you sort of understand that a little bit more because it's all about... Um, the fate of Emma Stone's character. Yeah, Gwen Stacy. Yeah, that movie is not great. It's not good. Um, uh, I do like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I think his Spider-Man is a lot of fun, really, really witty, like, just really smart. I like that they played up the genius aspect of him. The movie's not that great, but, um, yeah, it, it, it did help sort of contextualize that moment of that film. Who is the villain in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? So it's Jamie Foxx as Shocker. Okay. No, it's, Ele- it's Electro. Electro. Yeah, Jamie Foxx as Electro. Uh, some random person as the new Green Goblin, Hobgoblin. Hmm. And um, Paul Giamatti as the Rhino. Very. I have seen a clip of that. <laughs> Very strange. But yeah, he's just in the beginning and the end of it. Paul Giamatti as Rhino. Yeah, they were very... Sony was just ridiculously ambitious before the Tom Holland... Uh, trilogy came out. They were wanting to do a Sinister Six triple mm, movie, and okay. they were setting all that up. They wanted to do a crossover with Venom and like all this other stuff, yeah. and all of that kind of got put on hold yeah. once Homecoming came out. I wonder what they're gonna do with the Venom movies, because like, okay, at the end of is it uh what's that stupid stupid one that just came out about the vampire <laughs> Morbius? At the end, at of, the end Morbius, of Morbius, yeah. uh, the multiverse tear happens. Yeah, and uh, Michael Keaton shows up. But is yes. there any sort of reference to Venom in those movies? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's kind of just a mess. And yeah, the idea that Sony even needs their own multiverse kind of thing is just, sort of ridiculous. It just just kind of trying to ride those away. coattails. Yeah, it's just it's just too much. And yeah, I I, don't, I I like to go to the library and get like ten stacks a stack a stack of 10 movies at a time and that Spider-Man 2 was just was on that list and so I wonder if the, so John Wick they're making a side movie uh spin-off yes, movie ballerina. ballerina with Anna de Armas, right? Um yes. I wonder if that will be a good like cinematic universe sort of thing. Uh yeah, maybe because you're already starting with a good movie. Like that's the thing that a lot yeah. of these cinematic universes do wrong is they start with a bad movie. Uh Yeah. And yeah. That's what they're sort of hinting at with uh, Megan. They're saying that they could sort of have Megan meet Chucky because they're both owned by mm. Universal. Oh, hmm. yeah, but Chucky is like cool thing about Chucky is that it's like a dude who did like <laughs> voodoo to put himself into a doll versus just like I don't know AI. The, those scenes have were very sketchy. I was watching Child's Play last year and I was like, oh, we got a, a '80s Rastafarian voodoo yeah. character. Out. And I was like, I hope this is tactful. <laughs> yeah. Tread lightly just, with these stereotypes. I knew nothing about that. I didn't know that that there that there was that whole aspect to it the first time I watched it. And so he just starts like chanting at the sky and then like turns into a, a doll. And I was like, wait, that's how it happened? Like that's how he became the doll? Yeah, yeah, man, that the fucking child's play is amazing, and it just the fact, yeah, that this convict inside of this doll and his face is slowly becoming more like this doll. Oh man, it's good stuff. I think it could be a good crossover. And is going, sorry, and going back to John Wick. Yeah, I think 
for uh, the trailer for four played before um megan and i was like okay this looks all right i think it looks visually interesting um but i think they need they should just wait maybe take some time it doesn't need to be like a release every year or every two years i think we could wait before the next like big john wick thing even though it seems like they're just gonna be going full speed ahead i want them to Not bring really. uh carrie ann moss into those movies just like reunite reunite our, our matrix yeah. trio and like you got a stronger like series of movies than the matrix uh yeah. more, at least more consistent like matrix you know like, like you don't I, have the weight of the matrix yeah to, like yeah. uh yeah, like, when we talked about The Matrix, it's like, even though Revolutions I don't think is a good movie, like, I'm still, it's a fascinating set of movies. Uh, yes, yeah. Because there's so many fucking interesting ideas in them. Uh, versus John Wick, it's just, like, a bunch of fucking action that's, like, really well executed. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. They do one thing and they do it well. It's, like, in and out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a very, it's a very strong franchise. Yeah, and I feel like it doesn't have like this weight of like social shit dealing with like oh like disconnecting and like red pill blue pill like all of the all of those things have sort of been co-opted and corrupted by fucking evil republicans and like it's like oh it's like it's fucking messy now it's like all that shit is just it's gotten into the hands of fucking assholes i forgot andrew tate was doing like a whole the matrix yeah like all the red pill like all that shit (laughs) yeah it's, it's awful like leave it alone and then yeah like people kind of making red pill jokes and fucking one of the Wachowskis on Twitter is like you, you're both awful like all you people yeah. are terrible like it's like stop using co-opting our, the language our, of yeah, stop trans filmmakers mythology, <laughs> taking our really fun movie religion yeah. thing and just totally spinning into your incel ideology yeah. with that said yeah John Wick is sort of disconnected from those things <laughs> yeah. yeah you can have yeah you can have Keanu Reeves Carrie Ann Moss Fishburne have them all be in a much safer franchise um i forget what i was watching the other day but like lance reddick showed up and i don't know too much about lance reddick but i think he might be a huge nerd (laughs) Um, just (laughs) because like he was oh he's in the resident evil yeah yeah. um but yeah he's in that he's in uh what do you fucking call it those open world games on playstation horizon horizon zero dawn uh he was (laughs) in godzilla versus kong for like one line like distractingly (laughs) short cameo um that's the lifestyle i want to live he was in (laughs) he was a voice in the castlevania series that's that's what i was thinking of so like he shows up in this stuff where i'm like i think lance reddick might be a nerd Um, that's really maybe we would be friends um yeah friend of the show yeah listen to (laughs) yeah he was in jonah hex apparently (laughs) i'm seeing that's that is a a name of a movie that takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Josh Brolin, right? That's yeah. Like early Josh Brolin. I haven't Brolin seen it. I, I heard it was terrible. Jonah Hex. Wow, John Malkovich in that. Michael Fassbender's in that. Michael Shannon. Michael Fassbender must have a terrible agent because he shows up in a lot of shitty things. I know. he's. We need to have the, the Fassbender renaissance. I think his next couple of roles or, that are going to be coming out are pretty decent. He's like in the new... Taika Waititi soccer movie. Mm. He's a great actor. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. He just shows up in a lot of weird things. Oh, my phone just died. So I'm stuck on the screen. Stuck on the face. There you go. Okay. Well, you know, I think that's we're getting towards the end. I mentioned all the things I've watched. All right. Oh, and yeah. we have to figure out what we're watching next week. 
Yeah. My pick or yours? I, I am not ready. I don't have anything off the top of my head. I have a pick ready. Uh, okay. What what's what's next? Next week is one cut of the dead. Sweet. Don't read anything about it. Okay. <laughs> just just watch it, and just trust me, because uh, okay. it starts off. It's kind of rough at the beginning, but it gets there. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Look cool. Looking forward to that one cut of the dead. Um, oh, also, uh, just wanted to mention I. This is something that happened this week within God of War that I felt like I just wanted to mention. Uh, I got to the part of the game where you go on a mission with Brock and he does this whole speech talking about the, like how dwarves understand the form versus the nature of something huh. and how like dwarves are supposed to know like, understand the nature of things and that's how they're able to sort of move through the universe and kind of understand things on a different level as opposed to just understanding something by like the form of it hmm. and that part of the game like really like blew me away and like made me love the game because I don't think in recent memory or I can't even remember the, uh, any time like a video game really made me like leave with like a philosophy or like, yeah. maybe, like think about something like really abstract and made me think about just like how sort of humans kind of connect with each other and how we perceive things and I don't know just like the having that uh having that message be delivered in the game God of War and have it be told to the character Kratos, who is like this very violent, masculine, like kill all kind of character and sort of un unfold this more like tender fatherly side of him, which is like really beautiful. And I wasn't really expecting that. And I've been kind of going back and forth on the game. We've talked about it on the show yeah. and off, but, and I, I feel like I'm now like fully 100%. Like I love this game. Okay. And like, I feel like it, it's turning into something more special to me now. I feel like it's, it's kind of hitting on an emotional level. I feel like, see, so I enjoyed the game and I have friends who like were pretty critical of it. And I feel like I was basically binging it. Um, and I think that is the way to engage with that game because the pacing is kind of off. Like, you get long stretches of just, like, story without really a very fun gameplay. Um, but if you're binging it, you're you're getting over that hump. It's not like you're dedicating a whole play session to the hump itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do agree. There are some parts that are, are kind of weak. And I do think, overall, it does get kind of overwhelming with the amount of, like, lore and information they do sort of send at you at certain yeah. points of time. But I will say this, so in my session today, I went on this huge, like, backtracking kind of adventure to go get a chest really far away, and it got to a point where, like, the characters stopped talking to each other. Like, they, like, they, like ran out huh. of their, like, their extra, like, banter dialogue, yeah. and so I was playing for, like, an hour and a half, and I was like, the characters, like, stopped talking to each other, and I was like, this is actually kind of cool, because I got to just, like, enjoy just, like, the music and, like, the silence of the spaces yeah. and the sounds of... <laughs> the the blades of chaos and just the the sounds of everything i don't know I, I i was really really into it over the past couple of days i kind of fell back in love with it and just wanted to mention that the whole portion on uh form versus nature won me over so whoever wrote that <laughs> whoever penned that bit of dialogue shout out to you um i also finished uh final fantasy 7 remake finally um it took oh, me nice. like over 40 hours i think but uh, but I think it was also like including. I think I left it like paused, and it was including that time. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely a game that could have been like eight hours shorter. I think. Uh, yeah. It just 
like i i found that combat like really interesting initially and then it kind of just like wore out its welcome i think um totally. and it's weird that there are going to be two more of those so like i really hope they <laughs> yeah like introduce some new mechanics to like change things up so yeah definitely yeah i do i do like that one that that is a weird game and it, it is very tough to kind of review it because i like loved the original so much mm-hmm. and when i put the remake into my ps4 during quarantine and when they the first cinematic of like midgard and like they do the whole thing and Aerith, like i was literally crying while watching that. i was like yeah. i was like you, you bastards like you fucking actually did it you <laughs> finally they, like, they, yeah. they, they were they were hyping it up for a long time yeah. like, they did like those tech demos back like ps3 era of like early shots of cloud and barrett like rendered in new graphics and i was like this is awesome i want this and when it finally hit yeah. It was and there it is, like the definitive. We were all emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like sure they could make it look better than this, but but who who do they need to? It's like diminishing returns from here on out. It feels like. Um, yeah. Uh, my uh, sister-in-law Robin came downstairs uh, just to like eat and like hang out while I was playing that game, and I was like, "This must be so fucking. This must look so fucking stupid <laughs> to someone who like doesn't." <laughs> know what this is like tifa like with her giant tits it's like just like <laughs> embarrassing to look at like the cloud with his ridiculous hair all of the characters like i don't know like this has to be so <laughs> look so fucking dumb yeah yeah it, it definitely like the remake specifically turns up the anime vibes up a lot <laughs> it's, like there's it, it is a vibe for sure there, uh during the end i think it's like a i don't know there's a there's like a motorcycle chase towards the end and it's like all this like heightened action and um yeah just like these very heightened action cutscenes. um i want to say he even cloud even uses like his motorcycle as a weapon at some point but um yeah we, we were watching it emily and i were just like eyes glued to the tv watching this and i was like this is just rrr like this is like <laughs> yeah. what rrr does is like it even has yeah. like the uh sort of like slow-mo to like uh highlight like certain moments of action uh yeah the yeah. Zack snyder sort of what what do they call that the ramping slow like this yeah speed, speed ramping, ramping or whatever yeah. uh yeah i don't know yeah i know what moment you're thinking of too there's like the when they're breaking out of shinra he like gets on the bike and he like turns yeah. and like hits <laughs> he hits a guard with like the wheel of his <laughs> motorcycle he like throws his sword out a window and then like <laughs> bursts out the window and catches his sword in the air and i don't know yeah it's it's fucking awesome yeah just the the gravity does not exist in that universe yeah who needs gravity all right all right so one cut of the dead that's next mm-hmm. week all right cool well this has been episode 111 of vague zone if you'd like to contact us you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com let us know what you're watching. If questions, comments, concerns, or theme suggestions, let us know. Tweet at us at VagueZone on Twitter. Let us know what you're watching. Always down for a conversation on there. But yep, I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I am Daniel. Thank you for listening, as always, and we'll catch you on the next one. Oh. I fucking died! The fuck you want? It needs a blessing. Yeah, well, the one to give us the blessing just fucked off into the tomb. It needs the blessing of a great blacksmith. What? No, no, I can't bless shit. I don't have all my soul bits. The blessing wouldn't mean squat. It is the nature 
of a thing that matters, not its form. This weapon strike true. May it be wielded with wisdom. May it be put down when its job is done.